Hey, this is Todd Dammit Kearns from Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, Bruce Kulick, and so much more. And you are listening to the hottest podcast in the land, Shout It Out Loud cast with Tom and Zeus. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode 40. We are calling this one, I am who I am. Lonely, lonely, lonely. Till my kind of lover comes over and strokes me in the dark. Tommy, Zeus, how are you? Sonny's been practicing that one for a oh, while hell yes. he loves that one he loves that Strokes one ropes me in the dark Stroke me in the dark okay okay all right well welcome boys we're back a couple of us are, are under the weather but we'll power through because sunday morning means arc recording <laughs> well right, see you guys later <laughs> bye yeah we tried um yeah, this one is going to be interesting. A Boston boy, Billy Squire, Tom's pick. Yep. Which means Sonny's up next. Oh. <laughs> oh and Sonny has yet to decide what oh. it's going to be. Oh, Get Sonny. ready for Keith Sweat's greatest hits. <laughs> no. We won't do greatest hits. Otherwise, that would uh, be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did a polarizing album last week, and you th- you would think that Sonny and I like insulted all our listeners' mothers from the anger that we received because we weren't that big fans of it. There's there's mind crime tards out there. Beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah. Tate tards, we'll call them. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff Trot Tate lookalikes. Yep. Anyway, Tom, we did Operation Mind Crime last time. Uh, I know we did a poll. What's the favorite songs? What did we come up with? Yep. So the options were, I don't believe in love, breaking the silence, revolution calling and eyes of a stranger pretty tight across the the board. They would, I don't believe in love came in at first place with 31% eyes of a stranger at 29 revolution calling at 27 breaking the silence way behind at 12. A uh, couple comments. This, this is one of those albums. Like Zeus said, like the people that love this album, love it. The people that don't like it, don't like it like it's it's not it, this is either this is a hot or cold album for a lot of people oh sunny you would have liked this comment I, I don't think this is a sunny burner account to be honest sweet sister mary is the best track on the album <laughs> wow michael swithers the whole album is a classic that everyone should own okay yeah no uh, let's see oh oh i, I guess I'll, I'll read sunny's comment he wrote none of the above <laughs> i love rich says i love this album but i realize i was the perfect age for it when it came out i think it holds up but i also get why people think it's totally pompous and silly and i can't get mad at people who don't like it okay that guy's way too smart and sensible to be a listener of our show (laughs) 
Uh, our buddy West Beach, about time the Patreons made a good choice. Yeah, Wes. <laughs> Wes was on my side for the longest time, and now he's right back to the other side. Uh, I know. Uh, all right, we'll finish up Twitter with, with uh, from our buddy Don Flamenco. <laughs> the hilarity of Sonny Pooney's music tastes make me smile. The fact that he and Zeus ranked Mindcrime 32 is ridiculous. I know everyone has their musical taste, but to have it this bad, come on, man. As much as we suffered through heat or whatever Himalayan hairband you picked. <laughs> uh, oh, one more comment here from our buddies uh, over at the I Remember Now, the Queensryche podcast. That's our buddy Righty from Part of the Hell. Thanks for the mention on the episode and the retweets. Great show. Great review by two of the three of you. Pleasantly surprised with Zeus's feedback, given his history of trashing Queensryche. <laughs> I didn't trash him. I... I don't I know. Even think Sonny trashed them, but oh, know, Sonny did. No, it's so, these are like our favorite albums that we're picking. I, from. I, know, I know. So it's not like we're just going through a record store and randomly pulling out an album. Right, so right. If it's at thirty-two, that's because we have some other great albums ahead of it. Right, right. I that's tw- that's that's Twitter though. So Zeus, you can take All over. Right. Over on the Book of Face, um. Tim Bream. Oh, jeez. Think of family here, people, and listen. Sinking Tate. <laughs> if you've seen him lately, you would say that. Ooh, oh, no. Sonny coming off the top. Room. Just saying, dude, he's got so much effects on his voice. It is ridiculous. Okay. Okay. I'll add, yeah, I just saw Jeff Tate not too long ago. Jeff Trot. Or Jeff Trot or Jeff Tate. <laughs> the the lookalikes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Tim says, a masterpiece from one of my favorite bands of all time. I've been a fan since the EP when I heard the Queen of the Reich. That jaw-dropping intro scream from Tate just hooked me instantly. Saw them on the Rage Tour for the first time and countless times since. But since they lost Chris DeGarmo, they've never been the same, unfortunately. I've also had the pleasure of meeting original members multiple times. Incredible band. He's got a mm. picture of him with uh, Jeff Trot there. <laughs> nice. Kevon Japson. Oh, God. This is a Desert Island record for me. This was my first CD I ever bought. Wow. I'm a mind tard, too, I guess. Jeff Trot, you are way sexier than Tate. I still <laughs> love you. And Poonie, I have no words. What the fuck? You are an enigma. No, he's not. An enigma means you can't figure someone out. We can figure Sonny out. He doesn't like anything. Yeah. Justin Steele <laughs> put a photo of your favorite Bernie Sanders, Tom, and said, 25 bucks a fuck is my platform. <laughs> nice. Oh, Mike awesome. Murphy. Here we go. Uh-oh. Another hilarious episode. You guys are in rare form. I love this album. I thought Sonny did a good job explaining why he doesn't like it. But I have to laugh at how he seems to actually like very little. And Tom and Zeus remind him of that constantly. But this album has great songs and a good story. This is how a concept story album should be done. The Elder has pretty much no concept, even less story. And I like it from a musical perspective, though. It cracks me up when people say it should have been a movie. I'm like, it would have been five minutes long. You've seen it before. Nothing original, very little go on. Here's the script. Chosen one has to fight evil. End of the script. Keep it up, fellas. Nice. 
Yeah, Sonny loves the elder too. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. My fave. Oh, God. Yeah, he's on record as saying that. He loves it yeah. so much. It's in the middle of Highway 62 or something. 680. <laughs> oh, 680. Next okay. To, next to fucking mind crime. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, here's a good one. Christopher Powell. Operation Overrated is oh, more like go. it. God. I love Prague and dig some concept albums, but this is boring. It's well played but way closer to U.S. power metal than Prague. King Diamond Them, for example, is way more Prague than this album, not to mention a much more interesting story. Tom, what's the likelihood of King Diamond being played on ARC? Jeez, uh, I think we probably got the same amount of chance of me picking Pete Rock and CL Smooth for my next <laughs> personal pick. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen either. I'm thinking it's got a good shot in about 30 days from now. Oh, oh Sonny's going to pick a all right, merciful fate. King Diamond, do it. Yeah. Do it. Shane Loudon. Oh, heck yeah. I can't wait to hear Zeus say he was wrong about this masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, that Oops. didn't. I wrote, sorry, didn't happen. Over on Loudcasters, our buddy Adam Stevenson. After I knew this would be the Patreon pick. I tried my best to listen to this album. The old me would have said, this is a pile of shit. After listening to the album and getting your inside track by track as a musician myself, <laughs> the new me just said, this is not in my bang zone. There you go. Uh, ah, okay. All right. At least see, I like that. At least he tried. He tried. I tried. I get no credit for that. No, no, you don't. No. Half credit. Like a fifth grade spelling test. Half credit. He tried. Downey Morton. One of the greatest records of the 80s. Yes, a 10 minute song works. And the interludes help further the narrative of the story. Stop being so obtuse 
<laughs> Honey Pooney and George Pandas. Nice. Thank God the Paisan understands great music. There we go. That guy should get comment of the week, even though we don't do that for ARC. Maybe we should start. That guy's that guy's taste is terrible. Yeah, Downey. Mo- yeah, Downey Morton. Horrible. Oh. Over on YouTube, the legendary Brian Harris. Uh-oh. Greatest concept album ever. My all-time favorite album. Of course, I'm not surprised Zeus is not a fan. We often disagree on music. Yeah, let's put the XSX is a great song, Brian. Sorry. Uh, number 32, may Pooney be trapped in an elevator for 30 days with Kiss music from the Elder playing nonstop at top volume the whole time. Nope. No. I'd rather listen to the Elder in that elevator than fucking mind crime. <laughs> All right. Cody Brunette. Jeff Tate getting theatrical is the definition of a whiny singer. If Sonny hates 10-minute songs that much, it must be torture, spelled T-O-R-C-H-E-R, for him to listen to every Maiden record over the last 20 years. Ah, I actually don't have a problem with Maiden. Maiden gets the exception. I've said that many times. I, Maiden is the exception to all rules, thanks to Bruce Dickinson, Adrian Smith, and Eddie. Okay, I get it. I mean, if the if it's a if it's a band you love, then they get they get I exceptions. Tolerate. Yeah, yeah no, that makes sense. That's fair. And we'll end with Patrick. Antards of the world unite. That's right. I'm sorry to disappoint people. This is, I did not pick Adam and the Ants this week or this month. Sorry. After the first 15 minutes of the episode, I had to double check and make sure I was listening to a new Adam and the Ants podcast. <laughs> you guys mentioned Adam and the Ants more than even Adam and the Ant has probably mentioned himself in the last 20 years. <laughs> I love it. As far as the episode went, I'm with Zeus and not a fan of Queensryche. I never liked them much, still don't. I do respect the efforts of a concept album. But these types of works are hit and misses. Not every band has a life house in them. But some concept albums are really good, in my opinion. The first track of The Wall could have been a single, and it would have been great. It is so triumphantly epic and moving to me. Also, fuck bad English. <laughs> I like that, that was so unnecessary. That was just a, That was just violence right there. You just did not need to do that. It was just I so love the blue. I love that the world has talked about bad English more in the last twelve months than in the last twelve years. That's very true. That's, and that, Adam that's and the ants. Also true. That's right. Yes. So guys, why don't you take over for emails? Sonny, what do you got, buddy? All right. So before I read these couple of emails, let me answer a couple of things. First of all, I love a lot of stuff. This podcast keeps picking shit, so that's not my fault. Ooh. <laughs> This is why we have Sonny on here. And two, Himalayan hairband, Garish, and the Chronicles. Go check them out. They're pretty good. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm telling I, you, I, it's I, a real band. That sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon. Garish. <laughs> Garish and the Chronicles. I'm telling you. Stop. They're like power metal. That's good. not good. All right. I got a couple of emails here. Uh, first one's from Anthony Barone. <laughs> oh, poor Tony. The tax man. It, it starts with. Rush hated, Queensryche hated, 
tool pissed on twice and not selected. All there is to say is any future Patreon pick, all songs need to be under three minutes, easy and easy to understand pop lyrics. There can be no 30-second or more intros or outros on songs. I'm determined to find something that I love that fits that criteria. Challenge accepted. <laughs> we love the tax man, Tony. That's awesome. Tony, try in sync, Backstreet Boys, all those. <sighs> Tony, ones. don't do that. <laughs> no. And then uh, the second email I got here is from our friend Gary Cap. He says, great album review, guys. I could comment on how great this album is, but I'd rather talk about the commentary. This shit was comedy gold. My love for Jeff Trott has grown exponentially <laughs> after comparing him to Jeff Tate. I don't think he could pull off the Jeff Tate flock of seagulls lead singer hairdo, however. Bring on Adam and the ants. I'm sorry. On, Gary. I'm sorry, Gary. We didn't we didn't get to it. Sorry. Uh, all right, I'll finish up with a couple quick emails here from our buddy Joey Romanik, America's favorite realtor. The Mindcrime ARC was epic. I'm one of the Patreon members that nominated and voted for this album. And to me, it's one of the greatest metal albums of all time. And I'm not even a Queensryche fan. I knew that Zeus wouldn't really care for this record. And I, of course, knew that Sonny would crap all over it. Not because the music is bad, but because Sonny has the musical taste of a fifth grade dropout. <laughs> Actually, I'm convinced that the real Stuart isn't Eddie Trunk. It's Sonny Pooney. There's no doubt in my mind that if Sonny and I went to high school together... He'd be the kid that walked up to me and my friends as we're wearing Iron Maiden, Testament, Death Angel, and Metallica shirts, and he'd say, hi, guys, I like metal, too, while wearing a T-shirt from some C-level crap band like Kix or Shotgun Messiah. (laughs) I I think for the next Patreon pick, we should give Sonny a break and pick something that he could wrap his head around, like the Bay City Rollers. Wow, Joey coming in hot this month. All right, Joey, it is all your fault. I just made a decision on what our next pick is. I hope it's Shotgun Messiah. All right, last email here from our buddy Jason Worden. Another enjoyable and entertaining ARC. Tom was spot on with his takes on his great album. Zeus was fair, having just purchased, but what the fuck was Sonny smoking? (laughs) Man, I've heard the stuff others were saying about his takes, and I didn't get it until now. I don't get it how this can be ranked last on his ARC reviews. It's not. We have an ARC drinking game. Every time Sonny says, quote, this is why I don't like concept albums, you drink. You'll be annihilated in 10 minutes. (laughs) Show has always had my ass laughing and learning new stuff. I don't get frustrated with Sonny. He's the Skip Bayless of ARC. (laughs) (laughs) He actually believes what he speaks. It's not for show. Never change a thing, guys. Three big personalities that keep me coming back. I still haven't figured out who the Stephen A. Smith is. And the Michael Wilbon mentions kept me laughing. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks, Jay. We love you, buddy. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, this is like AR. This is... First take ARC. Oh, wow. Good good, good feedback there. Let's turn the page and let's get on to local Bostonian Billy Squire. This is Tom's pick. So we're going to talk about, you know, how we got into the album, how we came into this, our uh, personal experience. Tom, why don't you tell us why you picked this album and your experience with Don't Say No. Okay. So Billy Squire is one of those albums, like one of it's, one of my earliest non-kiss memories of rock music because this came, this album came out in 81 
MTV came out right then and there. And my sister and I uh, were just obsessed with MTV. And at the time, video, there weren't really videos. We'll get into them. They were just like little performance shots. And at the time, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a, like gu- guitar rock. Like, the, like it wasn't glam. It wasn't metal. It wasn't kiss. It wasn't maiden. It was just like melodic, like rock or whatever. Um, and to this day, you know, 40 plus years later, I still I still enjoy this album. I enjoyed these songs, the big songs, the, the quote unquote more popular songs. Um, but I, I in general, I love this era of music because it's before like hair metal really took over and it was just regular guys like jeans and t-shirt. It wasn't like Metallica, but it was like, I guess people call it like what album oriented rock, you know, the journeys, the foreigners, the sticks, the Ario speed wagons, stuff that was like heavy, but accessible. Like it had electric guitars, but it was like pop. And uh, I just thought Billy Squire, like his career, we'll talk about that a little bit, but um, don't say no. And then the follow-up album and then just his presence on MTV. It's just really one of the, foundational things for me with like early rock music and you know i think this album particularly obviously we'll get into it but i think there's some like just huge huge songs that don't sound really too dated 40 years later some of them certainly do but i think it's just one of those albums it's just like plug and play guitar rock that that's that's accessible and um i've just been a huge fan of this since it came out in in 81 all right so for me I will tell you the seventies rock seventies music in general. And then like early eighties, AOR, whatever you want to call it is hit and miss for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So even when Tommy says journey foreigner sticks, are you great, great meh yuck for me in yeah. that order. Okay. So it just kind of depends on if the singer connects with me, if there was a song that connected with me and kind of when I fell into it with Billy Squire, MTV kid. First time I hear him is in 84. First thing I see is rock me tonight. Uh Oh, and I get it right. I get it. So I'm watching this video going, the song's good, but homie, homie's a little flamboyant, a little too (laughs) weird for me. Right. And before every cancel culture person starts sending me emails, dude, I was 15. What do you want? It's 1984, right? This sky's up there. I watch, I just saw Paul Stanley jump through a hoop of fire. Yep. Right. And I'm, I'm listening to white snake saying, spit it out. And homies dancing around his bedroom in his pink shirt. It just didn't connect with me. So I'm like, eh, song's fine, but whatever. Come around late eighties. He releases an album and this song. Don't say you love me comes out. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I didn't give Squire enough of a chance. And by this time I'm 20 years old. So I listen, you know, I go back and listen to some of the Squire stuff. I like some of it and some of it I didn't immediately connect with. So I ended up getting this, um, it's called 16 Strokes. It's like a Billy, uh, Billy Squire's greatest hits, yep. right? Yep. Yep. That has all the songs I want on it. That's the only Billy Squire album I own. So when we said we were going to do Don't Say No, my first time hearing it from start to finish was 28 days ago. I knew okay. some of the songs, of course, because some of them are on 16 strokes. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'll save what my feelings are about it. I didn't throw it. You know, I didn't throw it out the window because I was listening on my phone. I'm not throwing my phone out the window <laughs> and I listened to it a couple of times. So it wasn't a complete disaster, but I will tell you that from this era, I would much rather listen to Rod Stewart, foreigner journey, Malin camp, Brian mm-hmm. Adams, like the early rock. Brian Adams is actually a little bit later, but mm-hmm. 
uh, Hall of Notes, of course, but some of these guys, they were kind of bringing the seventies into the eighties. They were trying not to lose their roots, but yeah. they weren't catching me with it all the time. If that makes sense. Yeah. But I just want to clarify real quick. I do not like sticks or REO Speedwagon. I was just throwing them in this mix for that early eighties, like AOR, you know, melodic yeah. pop rock MTV kind of shit. But, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's good. Good assessment, Sonny. I agree. Zeus, what about you? Yeah, I would say it's before I get into the Billy Squire specifically, those uh, bands. Do you remember when you'd have like those dungaree like notebooks and then you would put in? Oh, yeah. I, I, you would write in Black Sabbath. Yeah. I never listened to a Black Sabbath. You'd write ACDC. But those other bands that you talked about, everybody was one big happy family. Like right. um, Ario Speedwagon wasn't too pussy-ish. To be with that, there'd be a rock band. Sticks, same thing. Foreigner, they were all kind of together. Billy Squire was right in there, right in Sonny's bang zone. So they all seemed together. It seemed as time went on, and it's a sad kind of um, uh, thing that would occur over time, is music really got defined, like rock music, and it started becoming uh, competitive. And bands started insulting each other. By the time the like the hair metal and shit comes out, and a band like Loverboy, which put out some good rock bands and was popular in MTV and stuff, and they did stuff like uh, loving every minute of it and stuff a little bit later in their careers, they look like they didn't fit in. They tried to do hair metal, grow their hair out. It, it all of these bands kind of lost their edge. They were too pussyish to be hair metal. And then eventually, hair metal became too pussyish for rock fans because of thrash. And then it all became too much of a poser-ish for grunge, which is which is sad because this era, there was no difference. People were writing Billy Squire on their notepad, Kiss, ACDC, Scorpions. They all were one happy family. And something happened along the way that all of a sudden this is too wimpish. And it's too bad. But anyways, Billy Squire, if, I mean, uh, you're a local guy from Medford, Tom. If, if if you grew up in New England, especially Massachusetts, after the 70s, I'm going to give a little quick history thing. After the Big Bad Bruins and Bobby Orr, hockey rings went everywhere. And the big thing was for us kids growing up was skating at the rink on Friday mm-hmm. nights and Saturday nights. You could never go in the 80s to a skating rink from like pre-84 before without hearing Billy Squire at least two, three different songs every time. Every hockey rink. And hockey rinks were everywhere. Billy Squire was on there. Jay Giles, um, Loverboy. Aerosmith. uh, Aerosmith. You shook me all night long, ACDC. These were fucking staples. That's where I got into Billy Squire. And then MTV comes along, and we all remember the songs and bands that we thought were huge. It was only because they were huge because they were on MTV. But maybe their albums didn't sell that much, but we thought they were big because that's all we kept seeing. I mean, Billy Squire, how many times did you see those performance videos when you were growing up? I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, for me, it was constantly on there, especially the four songs from this album. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I really liked uh, the songs from Emotions, Emotions, uh, even Rock Me Tonight. 
yeah, he was flamboyant and stuff, but I didn't think anything of it. He was just dancing around. Didn't realize it ruined his career. I just thought he faded away like a lot of those artists did that were kind of like rock and roll, a little harder rock, but not too hard. The Foreigners, the fucking other bands that just kind of faded away as hair metal came into our lives and started dominating the radio. So uh, I, 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 I'm not sure. I had this album at one point, lost it. I think, and I'm going to give you credit, Sonny. Growing up rock, I was listening to your podcast, you know, right in the beginning when we first met and stuff. You guys played Don't Say No, the song on one of your shows. And I'm like, why don't I know that song? It's, a, it's Billy Squire, isn't it? Like, shit, it's Don't Say No, it's the title track. And I got back into it and started thinking about this album. Do you remember the episode or something? I don't know why, but it was on your show. Yeah. Um, Steven's a huge Billy Squire fan. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, it might be one of his like top 20 or 30 type artists. Mm-hmm. But Steven's a little bit older than us, right? So he's coming into his teenage years right in the early 80s. So it makes yep. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just remembered you guys playing it and it kind of, renewed myself so what did i do like you i pull off the billy squire greatest hits album and i'm looking i'm like oh fuck it's not there so i got back into billy boston guy boston legend was always on the radio over here so he's always been kind of around and uh i'm kind of glad tom picked this because i haven't listened to this album probably since i was a kid and i don't remember anything other than the big four tracks so this was kind of new and refreshing yeah. The, another thing that I like about this album is the time period that came out when you listen to it, you can absolutely, or at least I can, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. You can absolutely see his influences. And then you can also see how he influenced what came after him. Because I think this era of our buddy, Martin Popov, who has the great history and five songs also on Pantheon. He did an episode not long ago talking about how this era of music was kind of like like the seeds of like hair metal mm-hmm. because it ushered in like melodic accessible rock with catchy choruses, catchy verses, real like a like a a vibe that like girls would buy don't say no on cassette guys would listen to it like you said right on their notebook and it and it was that genre of music that really it, it, it ushered in the stuff that we became that that we call like hair metal um, Which was think, what it was, Tom. It was melodic hard rock. It was exa- exactly, exactly. Without then, the without the image, it, it was hair metal with jeans and sneakers. Yeah, and then much, they had an alley kind of look to it. They added, and yep. all of a sudden, they used the moniker hair metal, right, and completely demeaned the music after. Yep, yep. And but so I just think that. it's interesting. We'll get when we get into the songs how this is like right in the middle of the road between. Influenced by 70s and then influencing late 80s. Yeah, and this whole the Rock Me Tonight video did them in. You know, that is what it is. I have a feeling there's something else that did them in, too. So Loverboy is a good example. Yep. They're coming through the same time frame, but a Mike Reno can sing This Could Be the Night. A Mike Reno could do Almost Paradise. Yes. Right? Foreigners coming through the same thing. But a Lou Graham can do, I want to know what love is, right? Um, oh, even a Brian Adams, who's mm-hmm. coming through this time frame, is doing Please Forgive Me Later. Billy's voice on a 
ballad ballad totally in agree. the late 80s would have to- never been sold would have never sold no. so you could say that rock me tonight did i mean I, okay whatever but you know what people still listen to that song today and they long forgotten the video agreed but i think you bring up a great point i think we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into the songs i think billy's voice is interesting and probably contributed like you said sonny to kind of the, the kind of the ending of his career Billy Idol, same thing, right? Well, Billy yeah. Idol's going to sing Almost Paradise with Ann right. Wilson? Fuck right. no. Good point. Nope, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the album cover first. Ew, uh, feet. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought first. <laughs> I am a degenerate in most things, and like a lot of weird stuff, feet gross me out. Put some shoes I on, know. Billy, and button up that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I don't like the good part is I must say you can't tell if he's got like hawk talons on on the bottom of these feet. Like if he's got fungi, like you can't see the nails part or if he's cut them real short. Thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) No, but uh, that's the part of the feet that I'm always grossed out. Feet itself aren't really bad unless they're fucking hairy. Yeah. But like. Look, I always have to see the nails. If there's like a fucking yellowish tint to it. All right. Stop. Or a fucking ingrown toenail where the fucking nails just all banged up and just fucking blackish yellow fucking pusting. All right. Stop it. Fucking toenails hanging out. But like this looks like you can't see them. So it's not that bad. It's a is weird. He, it's a weird cover. I don't get it. Yeah. Is he in the bathroom? I was thinking the same thing, but then it's got hardwood floors because I'm looking at the one. Well, because I'm looking at the white tile and I'm like, that's a bathroom. But how many bathrooms have you been in that have hardwood that floors? That looks like a subway bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's a public bathroom that would have hardwood floors. This is a clean. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's not an up. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that a crease in his jeans? Did he crease his jeans? <laughs> See, that's why Sonny's on this show. I'm a, like, they're like it's a 1981, of, dude. They're, they're like a pair of Hagar cats. You know what it is? Fucking you know, you know the middle. other part of this is? He has, it's foreshadowing of the fucking video that will be coming up that ruins supposedly his career. Somebody wanted to constantly tell him, you need to be sultry. You need to be like sexy. And yeah. they have no idea what that is. So, like, lay down and give like a little. Ooh, take your hit. take your shoes and socks off yeah. and unbutton yeah. that shirt. <laughs> Somebody's giving him bad advice because it, you know, obviously it comes up later on. But the just the way he's tilting his head and his eyes look up, but his head is looking down. Like, ooh. oh, that's the what the fuck do you want look to me no that's a come here the baby Ooh, <laughs> i like the guitar i like how i like i mean it's oh, yeah, kind of like a nice, nice like a nice beat up you know looks like yeah. a telecaster but um the picture on the back he's smiling more yes a little bit of a little bit of a grin and but what's yeah. it why is it again why is the head tilted why not <laughs> i don't know i think we need to look at now so i have the, i have the i have the vinyl but yeah. the pick on the inside we got to talk about that pic. Dude, I love it. I love the female's hand coming out of that the shirt. That is so weird. I love it. it. When I first saw it, I was like, oh. But that but jacket, that, that where, looks that, that, Where that, his left hand is? Yeah. Is it's a little weird. It's, 
it's just not. And, and, we'll get, and when we get into the videos, we'll get into the mannerisms here. And, and is that is that the hickories I'm seeing? Is that is that the hickories? Oh, the hickories are out in full force on these videos <laughs> and these pictures. Hickory nuts are fucking is tight. Jeans. I mean, we have we have not had some good hickory talk since the Bon Jovi episode. <laughs> and fellas, jump in a hot shower and wash them wild hickory nuts. <laughs> but also, these jeans are like the wrong color jeans, like the uncool colored jeans. The jeans the that you would wear, like if you're like raking leaves in they're 1981. Like, like, but like Wranglers. That are not in a country part of the the you know like area. It's not a country music kind of style. They're like too dark. They're, they're not like, even Wrangler. Oh, they're probably like they're probably like those <laughs> Rustler. They used to sell like Walmart or something. <laughs> the Husky, yeah, Garanimals. Gosh, gosh, but gosh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Adult fucking jeans. <laughs> Hey Billy, you want to come on the show? Billy, what? If he does, the first thing we're gonna see is the bottom of his feet. Watch. <laughs> he's wearing, he's wearing like adult tough skins, like, like the the fucking bad parent, like comb your hair through the middle part, like just, just. Oh man, it's yeah, it's 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 just not a good cover. It's weird because 1981, like this was like an era when bands really started to do like some kick ass album covers. So uh, this one, I'm like, I, I don't get it, dude. I don't know. You, it's that fucking whoever the the consultant or publicist is for him. Ooh, do it what, hither. Come hither, look. What's also weird is on the front. Yep. Like you can readily see Billy Squire, but yes. the don't they being in red on the brown floor? Dude, Agreed. you can barely make out what that is. Yeah, if you look at it quickly, you think the oh, album. Shit, is you know what? No. I barely noticed that. Now that you said that, it's the first time I'm seeing that it says, don't say no in the bottom right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yep. Yeah. No is nice and bold yellow against the black and don't say gets kind of lost. Yeah. 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 And I get it. They're trying to make it like a portrait. That's why it's cut out the way it is. It's like a negative that came out kind of thing. Right. Yep. Yep. So I I like that. I wonder if like, let's say you don't see his feet and you cut the picture (laughs) off right at the bottom of the guitar. Yep. I think it's a better cover. Oh, I totally agree because the first thing you see when you see this album is his feet. <laughs> like, like, like that's. <laughs> Those I mean, how, how many how many like eighties like rocker dudes have album covers with their bare feet? Like none, know. none. I don't know. So it, it's definitely an interesting choice. Definitely an interesting choice. All right, let's get into some facts. Uh, Billy Squire, "Don't Say No," came out April thirteenth, nineteen eighty one. Uh, produced by Billy Squire and a gentleman named Reinhold Mack, who produced The Stones, Deep Purple, David Coverdale, Queen, Scorpions. Big career. I'm yep. like, who the fuck is this guy? But uh, he produced it with Billy Squire. The album eventually crawled up, became triple platinum, which is fucking amazing if you think about it, right? Thanks to Thanks to MTV. Yeah, MTV. That's right. And rock radio loved to play this album. It it made it to number five. It remained on the charts for over two years. Wow. Amazing. Uh, Billy, you know, plays rhythm guitar. It says percussion and piano and lead vocals. Uh, Carrie Sheriff is the lead guitarist. Alan St. John does the keys. Mark Clark, the bass guitar and backing vocals. And then my favorite fucking character growing up in MTV videos when I was little 
the drummer was the guy that used to say I used to say when I was a little kid, who's that guy looks like a squid on the drums. He was very distinctive looking. Yeah. He was a weird looking guy. Bobby Chanud, I think is pronounced Shuen, Bobby Schuenard. Schuenard. Thanks, yeah. Tom. Yep. Born in Brockton, Tom. Yep. Yep. Right next door to Stonehill. That's right. He was a handsome man in those videos. <laughs> oh, my God. All I remember, and we'll get to it, is thinking he's so awkward and weird looking, but all his fucking finger. All, all his mannerisms. Drum, his drum spinning fucking moves. I thought it was the coolest thing of all time. Yep. I've never seen anybody do it so much in their videos. It was fucking awesome. And that's who played on this album. Anything else you guys want to add before we get into it? Yeah, one other thing. Let's talk about the 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 quick kiss connection. So Billy used to be in a band called Piper that used yes. to be managed that used to be managed by Bill Coin, and Piper opened for Kiss. So there was there's a little bit of Kiss connection there with Billy Squire. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a cool little connection there. Yep. 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 And this was you his know, second bro- album, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he already released another one that got a little bit of traction, and then this was his second release. Yep. Yeah. Go, Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, Sonny. Brian May was supposed to produce this. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. And I uh, just didn't have time. So that's how they got Ryan Hole to begin with. And, and you know, you're going to be able to tell later, Billy was a huge Freddie Mercury fan, right? Oh, so, God. oh God, yes. Right. So that's where all the Queen stuff comes in. So yeah. obviously the people knew who he was. It doesn't surprise me it was triple platinum because of the three big hits on the album, but there was people behind him. Yeah. Right. And he deserved, I mean, he wrote some great songs over his career. So obviously people knew that he had talent. And this is one of those albums where he was just blessed with timing. It comes out right when MTV is born. So, and, and we, we talked about this. This is, I actually got really nostalgic watching these, these quote unquote videos. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, shit, this is mm-hmm. what MTV used to be. Mm-hmm. There was no video. It was just watching a band perform. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I remember that it was kind of cool. I know Van, early Van Halen used to do that. Like, early like triumph like those videos it was just yes and they're wearing the buffalo sabers jersey yeah it was just like performance like they were awesome i remember so this is love and it was just a live thing a concert yeah Yeah. yep yep hey sonny i think uh brian may was too busy because he was producing the soundtrack to one of the cheesiest fucking but hot movies of all time back then do you remember flash gordon the oh, chicks no. on Flash Gordon are so smoking. So hot. So oh, hot. my God. They were Walt so Rogers gorgeous. and Flash Gordon were friends to me in my teens. Oh. Friends. <laughs> but I will tell you, that is one of the stupidest fucking movies and worst graphics you'll ever see in your Dude, life. That thing was such a pop culture phenomenon yeah. when that came out. Yeah. Just think about your childhood. Seeing yeah. that on cable TV, yep. This fucking soundtrack, this uh, I mean, this music. Oh my god! All right, well, let's get into the tracks and the first track in the dark.
okay, so in the dark, the album almost starts out with this like air raid siren. So you immediately get a rock vibe. So, cause you don't really know from the cover, are you getting rock? You getting country, you getting pop. Like you don't really know. So immediately this ain't no Adam and this ain't no ants. That's for damn sure. This yep. is like real rock. Um, I would suggest if you have not heard the album in a while to listen to it on headphones, mm. because what Reinhold is doing in both ears is different and is pretty cool. And the production value for 1981 is amazing. Uh, thumping bass. I love all the guitar fills. I like the little guitar solo follows the vocal melody. I've always loved the synth melody throughout the song. I think the song sounds great. Billy sounds great. The end, the ha, ha, ha. It's a little weird, but weird is who Billy Squire is. Oh, yes. There has always been something a little off on his songwriting and the decision-making. And I want to blame Reinhold, but then when you listen to other songs in Billy's career, that's got nothing to do with Reinhold. It continues to happen, so I got to blame Billy. But some of that weird stuff, I think, kept him off of having this super mass appeal of everyone because he, you know, so I think what ended up happening is the radio edits would just take all that stupid shit out. Yeah. I don't think we ever heard that kind of stuff on MTV. They would edit all that kind of stuff out because they're smart. They're like, look, three and a half minutes, get the hell out of this song. Let's get something else. Um, but overall, uh, I like the beginning song it's well it's one of his hits it's great before i comment i'm I'm a little disappointed because this is usually where sunny jumps in and says does anybody want to guess how many times he says in the dark sunny (laughs) loves these games when we do arc because i'm listening to this song i'm like you know what i'm gonna i'm not gonna count because sunny will take care of this for us (laughs) oh i didn't count i'm i know i'm kidding um but no uh, incredible incredible opening track and and that like you said like that air raid like that sound and then when that drum and guitar kick in, you're like, oh, shit, like, this is interesting. And then then as the song progresses, it's like it's heavy, but it's it's still got that melody with with a great chorus, a cool little solo. And one thing that goes that's throughout this entire album in this era in general is it's a really smart, good use of keyboards. It's not overwhelming. It's not late 80s, crazy nights, Bon Jovi keyboards. It's keyboards that kind of accentuate, but like subtly, like it doesn't overpower the rock of the song. Um, it's 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 a killer opener. It's really great. And, and Sonny, speaking of the production, they just recently released a remastered 180 gram, like analog master of the vinyl. Uh, and it sounds insane especially this particular song that intro the way that kind of it rides into that just that kicking in with the drum and guitar so yeah great opener there's a reason this song is one of his most popular all right all the songs on this album are credited to billy squire so i don't have to keep saying who the songwriter is in the dark it's the second single it went to number 35 on billboard's hot 100 and i think it went to number seven on billboard's rock tracks that guitar riff and that I love it. It's a yeah. fucking cool riff. Um, the drums on it, the keys on it, and that little pop is you can hear when he starts singing the verses, and you can hear the keys coming in, like you said, Tom. Yep. I, I think this is our like, if you think about it, it's got good hard rock, 
but it's also probably the most popish album we've done since Purple Rain. Probably. Like, these are like pop songs, kind yeah. of rock songs. Okay? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, but there's still the vocals. He's got a great voice. It just goes in and out and he can, you know, you something that if you try to sing it, we would be fucking, our voices would crack and shit. You can't stay in that key, but he, he can when, go when he, up and down. On yeah. That. When he, when he screams out, like, don't you need me? Like, yeah. Hey, Hey, like that's just that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think the, the vocals are fantastic. The drums, man, you'll hear me say that. Like he's got a, fucking kick ass band with him he does this that's what surprised me mostly about this album is how awesome the band is behind him um i i like the harmonies on this it's just a fucking fun song it's very nostalgic for me i remember it and then there's the video oh boy on this one, Billy's playing guitar and thank god he is because when he's not holding a guitar oh god he gets, no. he gets himself in trouble he needs that's, a guitar in his hand. You're being very kind with those yes. with that terminology. Yeah. Yes. And and we're worried about Rock Me Tonight. Dude, watch this video. Everything he does in Rock Me Tonight, he's already doing in this video. Yes. Homie is flamboyant on stage, period. There's, there's, a, there's between, a lot of foreshadowing in these videos. Yeah. Of what's he's to halfway come. between him, but he's halfway between basically Prince and Freddie Mercury. But right? the problem like but, a but, but it one of the one of the big problems, though, is that he doesn't seem to know. Now, who am I? I'm not a dancer, or a choreographer. He doesn't seem to be comfortable doing what he's doing. It's he doesn't seem to know what he's. Do- it's almost like when you watch like a TV show from like the 70s or 80s and you see like white people trying to get like groovy. It, it's just it's just not working. It's extremely funny. awkward. It's funny you say that. I I. I like to watch a lot of the old country YouTube videos. Yeah. There's a video with Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, and George Jones singing fucking, I don't know, Keep on the Sunny Side or something. And Waylon Jennings has no fucking guitar. All the comments are like, he, yeah, he doesn't know what to do. His yep. fucking hands are like this. He's like fidgety. He's like, yep. Waylon Jennings always has a guitar in front of him. Right. And it's just like his hands are like all over the place. That's what this is like. It, put a guitar in his hand because if you don't put a guitar in his hand, he's gonna do that fucking move that he will. We'll talk we'll about get to in it. The stroke where he's like throwing water onto a fire, <laughs> where he's like pulling things and throwing like sand onto a fire. I don't know what the fuck save it, save is. it for the stroke, save it but for the holy stroke. shit. But his band, you know, the drummer, like I said, looks like a squid back there in his fucking red thriller jacket on that he had. Yep. Um, the, I, I love his band's look, the bass guy with his fucking sunglasses, short hair up, bopping around, even the guitarist who looks like Dean DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots looks just like him is fucking like rocking out. They look cool, except that the keyboardist looks like somebody from the cars. One of the guitar players on the cars. Oh yeah. Early eighties. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I mean, it's a performance video, but. Yeah, Billy, we we're starting to see what the fuck's going on here, man. Yeah, I like I love like I said earlier, I love these videos because it's just a bunch of musicians just they're just playing. It's not crazy flamboyant kind of outfits like the the, the drummer is just wailing away. But yeah, Billy, you can already see. I mean, you think it's bad with the guitar? Wait until we get to the next song. Yeah, it's it's, it's rough. Let's get to it. Song number two. Now everybody, have you heard? 
Zeus didn't even realize it, but he said, going up and down on that, and then next we talk about the stroke. So anyway, yes, <laughs> Stroke Me, Stroke Me, you know, is a song about being in the music business, okay, but I can't believe that a song where it's chanting, Stroke Me, Stroke Me, Stroke, hit the charts. Like, that's unbelievable. Yep. Um. The snare hits, you know, whether you want to call that a backward snare, whatever, very military type. Um, you know, the song's all about heavy guitars, a perfectly myth, uh, mixed synths. Music's done well. I like kind of that start-stop aggression, arena-filling vocal. Like, it, it's just so unique, right? And I read somewhere that the stroke was similar to Dragon Attack, that song by Queen. Mm-hmm. I listened to them back-to-back. Uh, yeah, I would say that, you know, somewhat, it is somewhat similar influences of Queen coming out. Totally. But I can imagine the record company execs playing this on the demo going, Billy, are you serious with this? Right. You want us to put this out as a single? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, even in 81, they just said, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> you can't do this. And to just have it be his signature song after all that with, you know, put your left foot out, put your right hand out. Like what are we creating a new dance here? Like it's just so weird, but it's so unique, but it's so good. Like it's a great song, even with all that weird stuff in it. 40 years later, I still don't know what's going on with this song. I don't get it. I, I, I get stroke me, but like you said, put your right foot out. I'm like uh, hokey pokey. Like I don't get it. Like, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, well, I'll wait until we talk about the video, but um, you mentioned like kind of the military sound. I love near the end of the song that breakdown where you get like a weird kind of like military drum beat. With like a sound and like you just whatever that effect is where people are saying stroke, stroke. It doesn't sound like a human voice. It sounds like like some kind of effect heavy yeah. voice. But that combined with like that marching drum near the end, um, and it just kicks back into the to the, the regular song. I mean, again, the forty years later, the song still fucking kicks ass. But it, it is a very interesting song lyrically. The stroke. It was his first single. It made it to number 17 on Billboard's 100, number three on Billboard's uh, top tracks, 
and number 59 on VH1's best hard rock song. Wow. Yeah. I remember this when he came out. Remember when Billy Madison, when Billy Madison thought he was cool and yep. he showed up to high school and he like has his foot on his card. He's playing the stroke. And I think the thing is supposed to be like, it's not cool that he's playing this song yep. and it looks bad, but uh, it was also Eminem sampled it on Berserk in 2013. That unique drum sound. I'm telling you, this fucking drummer is the thing that sticks out for me Love on this it. album incredible job the guitar then the vocals i mean this is a hard rock staple classic hear it all the time and i like that first part when the first song comes in and he does that woo yep that little rick flair woo that he does um i used to think he just said just you need to simmer down i didn't know he was saying sinner i thought he was telling people you need to simmer down like dude that's, that's one of the, simmer down. <laughs> yeah, instead of settle down, Tom, you need to stop telling people to simmer down. Um, let's just get to it. The video. Oh, boy, <laughs> I told you it's the fucking. I'm throwing sand on a fire or something like reaching back and grabbing pails of water and chucking it. Put a guitar in that guy's hand. He he he's gonna do something stupid if you don't. His mannerisms are. He, I don't, I don't know how, like I would, you would have to show me how to move the way he moves. Cause that's not natural. The way he marches and the way he has like his, I mean, first of all, he's so thin and his jeans are so tight <laughs> that when he does like that marching, those mannerisms, and he's got like those like zips for sneakers on like you know the little white heads or whatever the fuck it's, it's like it's like his theater teacher in like middle school told him i need you to act like that but have no bones in your body and yeah it's like like he's got nothing it's like all jelly it is it, it, it is the most non-rock star front man <laughs> mannerisms i've ever seen ever I, this is almost worse than rock me tonight yeah almost the talking heads guy did like weird shit but, but I he was weird yeah, but, but he, that, he gets away with that shit Correct. because he's like alt fucking avant-garde right. artist right. kind of shit. Dude, exactly. you're a rock guy. You can't do this shit. Right. It's almost like uh, interpretive dance. Yes. You know how like the music kind of yeah. just kind of yes. yes. goes through you and whatever What's you feel you do. Can't buy me love. What is that dance? They did? The African anteater dance. <laughs> there <you> go. <laughs> and yeah, the guitar. Hides the hickory nuts. Otherwise, yeah. there's nothing the hiding. Are on display. They are on full display here. Another thing too in this video, and I, I, I never knew it until I watched the video. That little effect that it's a harmonica. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that either. I, I, I thought that was something. I thought that was like a like an effect with a guitar. And then when I saw him going, I'm like, holy shit, that's a harmonica. And he's kicking his feet up like like. I don't. It's like he's doing like some. You know what it reminds me of at times. Remember that scene in European Vacation when Clark is in Germany, and he's doing the dance with the German guys. Like at the like, it's like what is he doing? Right? I don't get it. On the Oktoberfest and yeah, the Oktoberfest, like, like the, yeah. kicking him in the ass. Yeah, it's it's just so odd. Oh, poor Billy. Yeah, it's just. Well, but you got to remember, I mean, think about what he's seeing either live or on TV, what like the David Lee Roths are doing. If you, if you remember those old videos, like he wouldn't stop, like kind of 
you know, twisting his hips and doing this yep. belly thing over yep. and over and over in the same song. Awkward to watch for a male, right? Yeah. I'm sure it's sexy or whatever. And, you know, all the stuff that Freddie was doing wasn't exactly super masculine either. So he's seen it's, it's this a great, stuff happening. It's a great point, but I feel like when you watch Freddie Mercury, it looked he looked like he was doing it like naturally, like it it it, it, it was more choreographed. It was yeah. it was right. It was he, for lack of a better word, he just did it better. He did it yeah. Broadway ish, and you kind yeah. of knew yeah. what where Freddie Mercury was doing because you right. knew, you know, he didn't say it. Right, but you let him get away with that. Billy is supposed to be some rock guy, hard rock guy. Like, ew, I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, let's get to the next song. My kind of love. Uh, uh. All right. Simple start, which I love. Uh, I like the verses better than the chorus because the chorus kind of blends into the verse. Song is peppy. I like that. Uh, cool bass line. Synth again used perfectly. Now, hiding lyrics like I can see you coming on me and I can't ask for more, which is nasty <laughs> as fuck, is genius. That bridge before the third verse gets a little bit odd, so it's got kind of a different feel to it. But again, Billy is odd. And then the bass guitar doing all those fills on the way out, I think, is totally awesome. And it's a simple chorus. That's why the chorus doesn't super catch me. But I couldn't imagine the chorus being anything else, though. Right? Like, I couldn't sit down and write a new chorus for it. So because of the way the guitar melody fits in with it, it's a really well-written song. Here's three songs in a row now where Billy knows how to write songs when he wants to, because we don't get to some other ones, but a great song. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about track listing, track sequencing. I mean, he, you're coming right out of the gate, like three for three. Every one of these great, every one of these videos. Um, I love it. It's a nice, like, bouncy, kind of poppy song. It's got the keyboards and the bass kind of driving it along. I really like the, the how the song kind of changes the bridge, like, into the chorus. Powerful chorus that you can sing along. Yeah, I, I just think he's really nailing it. He's he's really tapping into that great mix of accessible pop rock, and he's three for three right here. My Kind of Lover was the third single. It went to number 45 on Billboard's Hot 131 and Rock Track. Eminem covered it and Shady, I think the song is in 2014. It's in in the uh it's in the dirt, the movie. I think uh what's the oh, name? Oh, the Molly Crew movie. Yep. Yeah, where Vince Neil is playing it. There's mm-hmm. no fucking way Vince Neil could sing that song right now. No way. He <laughs> couldn't do it then. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. 
Yeah, the uh, Sonny, I agree with almost everything you said. The verses are fucking catch as hell, and the the and you the bass going with it, and the synth and everything, and then that doo 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 doo, whatever that fucking little sound effect drum things. Dude, this fucking drummer, like he he everything he does on this whole album. Always something different, always something to follow. Uh, it's just another great vocal, another cool guitar crunch. Um, but the Boston accent is there big time. My kind of lava. Lava. Yeah, exactly. The chorus is fantastic. But um, another video, another video. What do you think? I'm thinking that. If you are already a Billy Squire fan and you saw the Rock Me Tonight video, you're like, ah, that's just Billy being Billy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I but agree. For me, it was the first time I saw it. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Dude, that ain't rat. That ain't Klaus. <laughs> that ain't, what the hell is going on there? Earlier, I texted you. So when you look up and you see the song and there's a little wiki page on this because it became a hit. Oh, it's bad. There's a photo of Billy it's bad. Squire. It's bad. I sent it to you guys. It's bad. That's his what? Santa sweater. Don't don't play on his Santa sweater. What like the Santa sweater. fuck is that image? Which, by the way, he has one of the great Christmas songs of all time. Christmas okay. is the time to say I love you is a fucking yeah. fantastic Christmas song. With the reason we're bringing it up is because it's the B side of the My Kind of Lover single, which the artwork for the single is <laughs> that does not look like a man. You can act like a man. Yeah, that that's 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 a rough pit. Now, now, now let let let's just preface this before we started recording. We're like, well, Billy Squire was just on Eddie Trunk. Maybe he's doing the rounds for an interview. That's <laughs> never going to happen. Now, <laughs> we have destroyed any hope of ever getting Billy Squire on this show. I think, which is too bad because I love the guy and I love this album. You can say that about every fucking album we've ever done. Good point. Because as <laughs> I said. It's never really that much of the music that gets pounded on. It's, it's personal. A, it's personal. Well, Calling like people just, crackheads and meth heads and fat and fine shirts that don't fit and all sorts of shit. I yeah. still got that White Snake 5X shirt sitting right over there <laughs> waiting to be mailed. Well, Bernie Marsden. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, this is a, a it's just a, such a great song. Opening up three. Uh, the album with these three songs in a row, fantastic. So let's go to the next track. what i like (laughs) should be a gene simmons song by the way um all right so here we're almost getting to like rainbow old white snake type of song in the chorus to me pace picks up a little bit the synth solo's interesting the (laughs) snare drum gets a workout because it's it's kind of like a galloping rhythm which that's kind of cool and then you get that little bit of a backwards guitar solo which fits in well catchy tune 
So I'm listening and I'm like, this reminds me of something. It just feels faster. What does it remind me of? So when that happens to me and I figure out what song it is, I will go to the song, drop it in audacity and speed the song up and see Mm. if it's similar. And it was smugglers blues, Glenn Fry. No shit. Yeah. Wow. So when you listen to the verse of smuggler blues sped up about 25%, the verse is very, the melody is very similar. Well done. Interesting. Right? And that doesn't usually connect with me that well, yeah. but uh, I like the song. It's a catchy tune. And obviously, well, Glenn liked it too. We just, you know, slowed it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. This is the part of the album that I really enjoy because we love, I love the hits, but you know, we've been hearing them for 40 plus years, but th- this is one of those albums where there's, there's the hits. And then there's songs that literally no one has ever heard before because they've never been played. There's no videos. There's not singles. There's nothing. Yeah. It's an interesting song. Upbeat. Got a really cool chorus. The keys, once again, I mean, the synth solo, eh, you're pushing it with with that. I get it. It's 1981 or whatever. But um, yeah, in, interesting song. Just showing his influence and, you know, what, what he's been influenced by uh, with that some of that late 70s stuff. But I do, I like that. I like that drum beat. It's a, it's a really, like, interesting and uh, unique kind of drum beat that kind of carries the song. Yeah, you know what I like. See, Sonny, I, I, I can tell where you're coming from now after thinking about that and the Smuggler's Blue, but I got that driving guitar in drums. I got the oath. Ah, good dun, one. That's also a good dun, one. Dun, 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 like okay. that part. Um, I like when s- singers set up the guitar solo. It's always awesome. But he says, rock me. And then a synth solo goes... <laughs> I said, I'm like, this, you I might said as well sing- have somebody play an oboe next. Like, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You can't say rock me. Yeah. And then have the synth guy. Come <laughs> <Yeah>. in. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> rock me. And then the guy with the guitar and the video is like, yeah, woo. It just doesn't work. And the other thing I thought about, Sonny said that earlier about my kind of lover, the coming lyrics. You know what I like. Come on. Come on. You know what I like. It's fucking dirty. And I think every song on this album is dirty. <laughs> the whole album. Look at the title of the album. When I forgot no. to mention when when we did the stroke, when we were talking about it, I yeah. forgot to mention when I was a little kid, I would always do put your big cock out, <laughs> shove it all in her face. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Drop a load. Oh, great. Her face. Those are the, that's the alternate version that didn't make yeah. it to MTV. It's always something stupid like that. But there's a lot of fucking like. Gene Simmons, you know what I like. Come here, baby. You know what I like. The whole album. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Anyways, uh, and then you can go into like the uh, the NW. You know what I like. Come on. Come on. Lick my balls. Yeah, exactly. Lick my balls. Holy <laughs> shit. You biting and shit. Right. <laughs> Let's get to the next track. Two days gone.
and that's days with a Z. How many times has that happened in bands in songs? Yeah, just who knows? Tesla loves doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Lonely days. <laughs> so two days gone. Now you get this like honky tonk boogie woogie piano thing. Song feels a little bit more bar band than it does in like an 80s type pop music. Chorus is meh. And the end of the song was kind of meh, especially after first four, four songs were so good. So I read somewhere, Squire said, I was trying to create art that infused heavy metal and pop of the early 80s. I was influenced by Aerosmith and trying not to lose my Piper roots. I would say that the comparisons to Aerosmith and Piper in this song are perfect. Bull ring. This song is boring. Aerosmith is boring. Piper is boring. You nailed it, Billy. Congratulations. Oh, poor Sonny. Okay, so we agree on on the the kind of the vibe of the song. 70s rock, got a little bit of a swagger, some Aerosmith. I'd throw in a little bit of a a little bit of a vibe of like a Bob Seger type stuff. Kind of has like that, like like you said, bar band, like boozy kind of vibe. But I think he nails it. I I, I really lo- I love the band. I love the, vo- the the chorus is a little bit eh, uh, but I love the groove. I love the groove of the of the verses. I think it sounds great. Uh, the the piano and just kind of like the stomp, the swagger. Because uh, I love like Skinner and Seeger and like that seventies kind of like stuff like that. So I, I I like it. It's an interesting. It's different. It's different. He continues to do kind of different things on this album. And I, I think this is a good one. Uh, two days gone. Yeah. And you know what? I, I come up with him, perhaps a future ARC episode. Uh, hot legs from Rod Stewart. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. That fucking. That's not boring. No. Yeah. But that Carmine piece, like drumming the guitar, the, and eh, eh, that crunchy, that chip away at the stone. Uh, Rod Stewart, stay with me. That fucking guitar. I love it. I think it, yeah, you're right. It's got that blues seventies kind of uh, vibe to it. Uh, And I'm, I said, again, the drum sound is fantastic. And every time he says running here, running there, and then that guitar fill comes in, same with him taking another show eh, 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 that crunchy fucking seventies type guitar is so good. And Billy's vocals on the bridge he just takes that to a different level. I, 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 I think like uh, I start going back and be like, shit, I didn't realize he's that good of a singer. I think his vocals are fantastic, specifically on this song. Yep. Um, and then me and Tom were talking about this before we came on. Is he saying moving or grooving? I don't know. After every couple lines, he'll say that one. And I'm like, what is that song? What do I know that? What is that in every song? And then we, me and Tom, were like racking our heads. We're like, "That's Judas Priest's Living After Midnight, right?" Yep. Loaded. Yep. Loaded. Loaded. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, yep. that grooving, grooving, or grooving, or moving, whatever he's moving. Saying. Yeah, grooving. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep saying. That's I what I was fuck, thinking. I don't know what the fuck James is saying. Just keep saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a James Brown lyric right there. <laughs> Moving, yeah. <laughs> I need something to rhyme with it. How about yeah? <laughs> <Hey. laughs> oh boy! So let's uh flip the album over and go to song six, side two. <laughs> Ooh, 
So Lonely Is the Night, this is the song that uh, I think they were trying to kind of bring Billy back into the 2000s because it ended up on Guitar Hero Encore. It ended up on Guitar Hero 5. It was in Grand Theft Auto. Like, my kids know this song because of uh, being in the Yeah, it was on Led Zeppelin's Presence. Yep, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So love that it's just guitar and Billy at the beginning. The two guitar melodies were perfectly off each other. And then layering in that second vocal on the third and fourth line of each verse, total earworm, even the whining type lines, like green lines, green lights, I totally work. Um, the falsetto that Billy does works when it's done sparingly. He's no Daryl Hall. I can tell you that. And you actually get a little bit of a guitar solo on this one. It's probably the best guitar solo on the album. Drummer goes double time at the end. And then you get the plant lonely, lonely, lonely thing at the end. So I don't get into Zeppelin until 90. And I remember getting that. I told you guys I got that four box set, right? Where you got the yep. four CDs. Yes. Yep. Yep. And I'm listening to it one day. I got it in my six CD changer uh, uh, player thingy. And uh, this one song that I had not heard before comes on. And I'm like, what the fuck is Lonely <laughs> Night doing on this album? And it was nobody's Nobody, fault. Nobody's mine. fault but mine. It is a dead rip. <laughs> yep. I had, when I first heard the song, I had no idea. I didn't know until early 1990 <laughs> until I heard it for myself. Yep. But uh, yeah, so uh, the best uh, Zeppelin song Zeppelin ever wrote, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, in Hammer of the Gods, they said that the song, yes. it, it says it was the best single that they never put out. That in the 80s. Never, never, never put out, yeah. And the other one was Hearts Barracuda. So the, oh, two, yeah. the two greatest Zeppelin songs in the 80s was Hearts Barracuda in, in this. Yeah, this is the song the that I always come to for, for this album, for this uh for this era, I don't understand how this song did become a monster hit. I mean, I love the riff. I love the guitar. I love the, co- like everything about it. I love how it speeds up near the end. Um, it just kind of really has a kick-ass outro. Uh, of course, it's de- you know, late era Zeppelin. We talked about that already. Um, but you know what? Uh, who cares? You know, Billy Squire's a guitar player. He's, he's, you know, wearing his roots on his sleeve. I don't have a problem with that. Um, killer song. I just don't understand why there was never an official video 
Uh, I, I think this is the standout track. Sonny, you brought up a good point. They threw it on guitar here to try to kind of reintroduce a generation of people to be like, hey, this is friggin' really kick-ass guitar rock. Um, yeah, this has always been my go-to track on this album. So, Lonely is the Night. Yeah, it's the biggest Zep ripoff you'll ever hear. But as just Tom said, they do it well. So I don't have a problem with it. It's a fucking replica of a Zeppelin song. The biggest thing for me is the drums. I've never heard anything that is like, shit, is this a lost Bonham track? That is exactly what I, in my head, is John Bonham's drumming. The production is incredible in this album. Unbelievable. Yeah. The fucking, yeah. it even got, it even has the shuffle that he's doing. That bottom shuffle and the sound and what, I don't know where he fucking got to think to replicate that song, that sound, because nobody else has ever done it. At least I haven't heard it. It is brilliant. The drums are awesome. And kudos to him for pulling it off and making it sound like that. The thing about it is we already mentioned the hammer, of the God story. Remember as a kid reading that I'm like, yeah, that is a great song. I always thought there was a video MTV sometimes would play like concert videos. And it, yeah, you're right. It wasn't an official video like the other three, but I think it was just another performance clip. Yes. Yeah. And they yeah. would have it because when yep. I looked at a couple videos on YouTube just now, like, you know, is there a video? I could have sworn when as a kid, I saw yeah. one. I don't think they, they consider it like an official video, but you're right. Yes. Cause that, cause, cause where else would I have heard it? I exactly. didn't buy this album until later. So you're right. Yeah. MTV did play it. So I just sent you a, a, a thing from the video I had from YouTube. I just sent it to you both. Yep. If you notice, there's that MTV kind of sticker back there on the black bottom, yep. right? Okay. That's no yep. one threw that on there. To you know, recently that was there right. before, and it has the way the uh MemTV used to put the videos up with the name of the artist, the song, yep, the record company that they're with. So, I think there was a live performance video of it. And if you see that video, the one that I just sent you, and the drummer's got like a fucking mustardy tangerine tank top on, but the drumming, the guitar, everything is just so insanely good. Oh, yeah. It's a fucking great tune. Great tune. All right. Let's go next. What do you want from me? I am who I am. <laughs> Fucking Popeye. Okay. <laughs> the drums open up the song. It's like you have no idea where the song's about to go. Then you get the slide guitar, which is interesting. And then you get the energy and the fun of the song, which the song's a bit different than the rest, but it has blues flavors, but it's unique enough to stay interested. I don't know if I need the clapping shit at two minutes. Like, 
what idiot in the early 80s told people to clap in fucking songs? Is that all held over from Greece or whatever? Maybe. The hand jive? Whatever that's yeah, yeah, right. Um, the crowd chant, what do you want from me? Uh, I don't know if you know, I need that. But then it kicks back in, which is cool. And then you get like the big live type ending. I sometimes enjoy that on albums where it's like you're doing a recording, but you do this ending like a like a concert, like just yep. ended. Yeah. Right. That's and kind of cool. Uh, depending on if it's timed well and it's on the right song, it works. And I think it works for this one. Yeah. Yeah. I like this nice upbeat song. As soon as that slide guitar kicks in, I'm like, okay, this sounds like Cinderella. This is a Cinderella song right here. This is a Black Crow song right here. This is like Zeppelin. There's all kinds of influences from him and then things that he influenced. Um, it's I, I, again, we've talked about this or, you know, I ha- I, I like this because it's something different. Not every song is the same. There's only 10 tracks. He's trying all different things, upbeat, slow, rock, pop, whatever you want to call it. Um I think this is really a cool tune. I th- I think that it sounds like a lot of different things, but like we said, with lonely is the night, he's making it his own. It's not a complete ripoff of something. Um, but I think the slide is just awesome. What do you want from me? Uh, another big drums that open this one opens it, right? Yep. I got any way you slice it from this. Yes. Good. Right? Good job. Good tempo. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's like a hard rocking eighties. It's like a eighties mo- movie montage song. Mm-hmm. Like it could be in a movie and like the nerds when their house gets destroyed. Now they have to clean the house and this is playing and they're, Oh, somebody's painting. Somebody's putting up the fence. Oh, let's, <laughs> right, you know, right. let, let's get like two weeks worth of repairs done in a fucking five minute video clip. Right. Right. Um, it's got a, like a, a kind of like a, old school Chuck Berry guitar driven song. And that's, I like that's that. good. Yeah. Uh, the drum breakdown and the bridge, it's kind of like makes that more like, I think too, a little bit of like a bar band that your local bar band could kind of take that down and, and get the audience involved and stuff. And, but I, I like the song. I do. Uh, let's go to track number eight. Nobody knows dedicated to John Lennon. So of course you have to have the epic song, you know, thank, you know, Lord help us. If we don't have an epic song, 
uh, you got the acoustic guitar playing the sad melody. And I read somewhere that nobody knows established a template for the decades future power ballads. To that, I say, fuck no. Oh boy, here it comes. Dude, this song absolutely sucks ass. <laughs> I get it. You love John. John just uh, John does not want this. This would have <laughs> killed John if he was living. Like this, <laughs> Billy. I okay. This ha- is in the running for the worst song we have ever done. On I AFC. love it. Uh, this is why I love these episodes. There's no, I'm telling you, the record company heard this and said, Billy, can we please just have somebody else sing this? Please don't do this. Your falsetto's not good enough. I get it. You love Freddie Mercury. You know what, Billy? Let's go get Freddie and Freddie can come do this. You don't have to do this. Don't do this to yourself. This is bad. I'm sorry. Billy, I really like some of your songs, but this alone would have had me chuck the CD out the window. There's no way I ever listen to this song again. <laughs> here's the here's where I will here's where I will agree and disagree at the same time. I don't think it's a bad song. I think Billy cannot sing it. He cannot sing it. Right, right. His I don't but what I'm saying is I don't think it's a bad song. If you had somebody who can sing this with the right tone, I think it's his his falsetto is just not good for this in general. I don't like falsetto, but I think the problem with this song is, is how he's singing it. Um, you know, the band kind of comes in a little bit later in the, into the song. So it's not like a full falsetto acoustic battle. There's a little bit, you know, the full ensemble type of, you know, band coming in. Um, but I think vocally, I think that's where to me, it's, it's just a, it's a huge miss. Uh, nobody knows. Yeah, the first thing I put down is falsetto. Yeah. Dedicated John Lennon. I always think like people like this, like you think John Lennon's like family and people are like, dude, don't dedicate anything to him. Let the big boys do it. Okay. Let Paul McCartney write a song for him. Let not you. And it reminds me of like, which album is it from Warrant that did something to Tipper Gore? Like, oh, we're going to answer, a, like, like, dude. And a cherry pie. Yeah, like, yeah. just like, fucking shut the fuck up. No one need. Oh, you're the rebel starting it up. Oh, it's Warrant on their fucking trap. Like, like, no one cares, dude. You're not in that league. You're not a fucking big newsworthy band. Cut the shit. And same thing with this. Like, dude, this isn't Rod Stewart writing a song about his buddy John Lennon dying. This is the guy from Piper. So calm down. Now, the, I mean, does he sing in falsetto? Yes, the whole song. Paul Stanley can sing falsetto too. And it's on the elder. It just doesn't work. Nope. <laughs> Nobody wants and, to hear a man do falsetto in a rock song. And the ever. lyrics are depressing and, and but yeah. thought provoking. And yeah. I get it. It's a little bit depressing. Like, fucking, what's that? Uh, what's that other most depressing song of all time? Um, uh, automatic oh, for the people. Everybody hurts by REM. <laughs> oh no, no, no! The '70s song. What's that guy? Fucking all by myself. Oh, like, what? Eric get, Carmen. Yeah, I get him? what you're doing. I get the lyrics, but good God, man, who's gonna fucking turn off the road when they play this? Yeah, it, it's kind of like that. It's yeah, it's not a bad song. Um, again, I would rather. Uh, unlike you guys, well, no, Tom's with me on this. I'd rather this be on the album 
than not be on the album. I would rather this be a track a one of 10 than only nine songs. That's just me. I would rather it be at the end of the album. Put it to put it at the 10th track. That makes sense. You're right. Because it's, it's almost tribute, like because it's, yeah, it's a tribute. It's, a tribute. it's kind of a throwaway. In. Right. Yeah. And if you like it, maybe it moves you. Maybe it's right. song that right. the lyrics get to you and you feel it. But yep. you're right. 10 would have been a lot better. That's a good point, Tom. Yeah. Piercy's um, happy this is on there because it's about to be ranked lower than giving yourself away on my <laughs> list. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Song nine. I need you. Okay. Uh, the good part. I like that it's very cars, very pop. The thumping bass kind of gives you a feeling like it's going to be cool. Then the chorus is eh. The verse feel kind of change was, was eh. The bass line comes back after the peppy chorus. But in the end, it kind of feels like there's like two songs being jammed together. Like somebody told him, ah, that's too slow. It needs to be more pop. Oh, that's too pop. Slow it down a little bit. And after nobody knows, you would think that no matter what shit you put on here, it would be great. I didn't love this tune either. There's like this hangover feeling of what the hell did you just do to me? And <laughs> this don't sound too right either. Totally agree pretty much with everything you just said. The song starts out. I'm like, oh, it's kind of a groove to it here. This is kind of cool. Then the verses. What is, dude? Stop, stop! But then it shifts gears and it gets it turns into a rock song for a little bit, and then it goes back. I'm like, no, you said it perfectly. It's like two songs, like just smushed together, and when that happens, then they both suck. Yeah, this is this is a tough listen for me. I need you. I like the baseline. Yeah, I think it's great. Doom. Doom, yeah, doom, I need you. Boom, boom. This is a uh, foreshadowing. Enough is enough. That's oh, what I think. Don't, about don't say, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> yes, except this is probably better than enough's enough. Uh, it's just easy listening, relaxing. He's okay. I need you. Do do do. Uh, the back and vocals are pretty good on it, but 
it's okay. I don't have a problem with it. It's it, it's kind of like it, it, to me, it gets a little catchy, and I think of the yeah. "I need you" do, yeah. do the bass line going. It's all right. It's not that bad. All right, let's finish with the last track, the title track. Don't say no. Ah, the arrangement's just really bad on this song, right? So the fade-in start into the first verse is weird to me. You hadn't done it all album. Then yeah. you decided to do it on the last song, which I Need You doesn't sound like a prelude to Don't Say No. And then you think the song's over, and then it comes back like it's trying to be part of a musical or some kind of edgy, and it just sounds like, an amateur working like I, I just, there was faster pace. I kind of like, but then it got to like this weird part, which is very clean. Then the weird Calypso musical interlude thing. It's just a weird end to a rock album. So you could have named the album, the stroke lonely is the night. My kind of lover in the dark had the same picture. Everything would have been fine. Put some shoes on the feet. And you wouldn't have to say, don't say no. But the last three songs on this album, I basically would have just stopped at track seven, to be honest. I can't believe I'm agreeing with Sonny on an album that I picked. Yeah, this is <laughs> the, the, the intro, the fade in off the top of my head. I can't even think of another fucking song that's ever even. I remember what I've heard because I, I haven't I hadn't listened to this album start to finish in a long time. Don't say no comes on. I'm driving I'm like, wait, oh, what? I'm like, what happened? So I've like started it over. I'm like, you're fading into the song. And I'm like, okay, I kind of like, I, I, I kind of like the, the vibe of it. It's cool. Then it picks up and I'm like, okay, what's this? And then all of a sudden it's like, when he's like, da, 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 busted. I'm like, it reminds me of like free ride. <laughs> like the song, it's like free ride. I'm like, wait. And then it goes back to the there's too much between this and I need you. He's like, Hey guys, I got four great songs. And they're like, Billy, Billy we only got room for two. All right, cool. I'll just mush them all together. I'll take four <laughs> songs and turn them into two. Like that's what he did here. It's we, it's a weird song. It's not, it's not like necessarily bad. It's just, it's weird. It's a weird arrangement. I don't, I'm confused on this one. Tom, I did the same thing. Uh, don't say no, Billy Squire, the last track. Uh, when I played this, I'm like, did I miss something? What, yeah. wait, what song is this? Right. Come on. Did this like what, what the fuck happened? What was the last song? And you're, you're like going back and then you hear it kind of when you're in your car and all of a sudden it comes into him like the fuck are you doing a fade in? Like I've never I even heard of that before. Yeah, I understand if it was the beginning 
Like you do stuff like in release in Pearl Jam and you open uh, w- uh, uh, the tr- uh, 10 with that sound and then you end with that sound. Where was the beginning of that? But have you ever heard of a vocal fade in? Like the mu- it's not that the music didn't just fade in, it faded in. Like you you missed the first few words that he was saying because the yeah. vocals were I don't understand in. it. And then yeah. he stopped. I mean, I like the little acoustic guitar that's in there in the beginning. Me too. Underneath everything. Yeah. Yep. I like yep. that. And then he gets into like a like a cowboy saloon piano solo, whatever the fuck that was. Yep. And then I'm like, okay. And all of a sudden he comes back. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck is this? Very confusing. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, just very weird. All right. Those are the songs. So uh Tom, wanna give us uh, your you know overall kind of thoughts? Yeah, so unfortunately the album lands with a little bit of a thud, uh, as you just heard it. But look, I there's only 10 songs, but this is one of those rare albums where the good songs to me are so good. And, you know, the, the middling songs are still good. Like this is this out. This is an album of like, uh, you cut it into threes, you know, it's great. Okay. And meh skip. But I think the great songs are so good. And some of the average songs are still listenable that to me, it, it lifts it lifts it above the, the kind of the stuff that's not great. Um, and it's, of course, we talk about this all the time. Very nostalgic album for me. Memories of MTV, memories of, of the cassette. Uh, it just, you know, I, I had the 45 single of the stroke. Um, just a big fan of Billy Squire in general. So, yeah. Okay. So final thoughts for me. Um, as we said at the beginning, this album stalled at number five. By the way, that was on September 5th, 1981. Here was the top five of why it stalled at five. Four, Precious Time by Pat Benatar. That's That album has Fire and Ice, Helter Skelter, Promises in the Dark. You're not going to yep. beat that. Three is Escape by Journey. You're not beating that. Two is Four by Foreigner. Not beating that. And one is Belladonna by Stevie Nicks. Incredible. So five was going to be the highest he got no matter what. That's not it bad. Does not would... matter. No, it's not bad. It's not, not bad. bad at all. Uh, no doubt Billy is a talented vocalist, exceptional songwriting skills, has pop music written all over him. He's not a traditional songwriter. So the bridges are sometimes in weird places. The ending and beginning of songs can get a bit weird. The choruses are sometimes blended in the verses. So I got mixed feelings on his stuff. Some of that stuff works for me. Some of it doesn't work for me. I'm kind of glad I only own 16 strokes because I'm not sure I would enjoy all of his music. Anyone who says this is a Desert Island album has not heard the last three songs either ever or in a long time. You might want to go listen to the last three songs again. Just make sure you're not on a bridge when you do it. I would say half the album is great. Yeah. Yeah, I would say kind of similar to Tom. The nostalgia takes over. There are some great rock tracks that we all grew up with and all love and that are classic rock songs. There's some other songs that you're like, oh, okay, that song's pretty good. And then there are like, yeah, and I know why I didn't own this album. <laughs> songs that we had. And uh, overall, it, it, I think a lot of these albums always go back to the philosophy of how do you rank albums? Does it have to be perfect all the way through? Are you okay with 
you know what? It has four of my favorite songs on it. And it's got some songs. Or does an album, the way you rank it, have to have no bad songs at all? It all depends. We all can have, there's no right or wrong. You can favor an album that has, uh, you know, all really good songs or an album that has some fucking incredible songs and a couple duds. It depends. And how we see this album, you know, it depends on how you rank, way you rank albums. I, I've always had a, uh, an affinity for these songs because of nostalgia. So it'll be interesting to see where we rank these. And what we do next is we rank the actual songs on the album. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Uh, number 10, nobody knows. Okay. My number 10, nobody knows. Yeah, that's a trifecta. Number nine, I need you. My number nine, I need you. Number nine for me is don't say no. That is my number eight. That is my number eight. It's got to be scaring Tommy that we're Uh on the same place here. Trouble. Number eight for me is you know what I like. Wow. Number seven for me is what do you want from me? Number seven for me is two days with a Z. Oh, boy. Gone. Wow. Number seven for me is uh, I need you. Number six for me is you know what I like. Number six for me is what do you want from me? Yeah, I'm going to go number six for me. What do you uh, what do you want from me? Number five for me, the stroke. All righty, then. Uh, number five for me is you know what I like. nice number five for me is two days gone that is my number four my number four is my kind of love number four for me is stroke number three for me is my kind of lover number three for me is in the dark that's number three for me number two for me is in the dark Number two for me is stroke me, stroke me. <laughs> nice. Number two for me is my kind of lover. Oh my god! My have god! We ever, have we has this ever has had this, ever, this happen? Has yeah. this ever happened? In, in I don't all know. These kiss of death. We kiss of death for back for the attack. We all have the same number one. Wow! I can't. We all have lonely as the night is number one. That's right. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, we haven't done this in quite some time. I think there are three tracks. We had uh, Kiss of Death, where four of us actually picked that, including the guy that we forgot to thank for his opening theme music for us, Tony from Restrained. Uh, no Excuses from Alice and Chip, right. and The Trooper from Iron Maiden. And this is the fourth time yep. we're doing this. Yeah. Oh, well. So the top four, number four was The Stroke, collectively. Number three was My Kind of Lava'a. Number two was In the Dark. And number one was the best song Zeppelin ever wrote, Lonely is the Night. That makes sense because those are the four best songs on the album. Yeah. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So now we go to album cover. Uh, Tom, want to give us your first top five? Yeah, so for album covers, my top five are number five, Highway to Hell, number four, Moving Pictures, number three, Rage Against the Machine, number two, Blizzard of Oz, number one, Purple Rain, 
Uh, Billy's foot is going to get ranked pretty goddamn low because I do not need to see your goddamn feet ever. Um, I'm putting this at 34. It's a little bit better than blood and semen and uh it's still better than van halen oh you wait one two that's that's never gonna get there are still there are still some worse so i'm, I'm gonna put it below down to earth just because i can't look at billy's feet all right for me top five right now five is moving pictures four rage against the machine three come and get it two slide it in one piece of mind i also believe that it's better than cow semen um that whole, you know, know before you go or whatever, that down-to-earth shit I don't like. And the four faces on the poison cover is not good. <laughs> so I've got it at number 36 because I don't want to see Billy's feet either. Yeah. I'd rather see the OU812. At least they didn't show their feet. <laughs> I don't understand oh, why that's feet. so fucking hated. <laughs> it's just a cover of the picture of the band. What the fuck? Because got- I think it's such a, I think it's a, it's a horrendous, it's a horrendous, indication of the band and what they the kind of music that they play i don't need it's it's a terrible cover it's lazy yeah it's but it's it's worse than lazy it's trying to portray an image that isn't reflective of the band and the music they play you're not serious artists you're van halen well it's bad all right number five for me slide it in four peace of mind three appetite two blizzard one hotel california I'll be honest with you guys. I don't really have a big problem with this. I don't know. You can't see the fucking toe jam. So uh, I, I will I will put this at number. I'll put this at 32 above the fucking circus fucking lion tamer, bad English one. Lion team, but below the nut tuggers of Bon Jovi. Okay, yeah. nice. Let's go to album, Tom. All right, my top five albums overall number five, 10, number four, Rage Against the Machine, number three, Shout at the Devil, number two, Purple Rain, number one, Moving Pictures. This is difficult because I love this album, but some of the weaker songs really kind of weigh it down. Um, but the great songs lift it, but not high enough. I'm putting this at 15. It's going to go right below Appetite for Destruction and right above the Winery Dogs. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Okay, for me, number five on the ranking albums is Appetite for Destruction. Four is Slided In, three Hailstorm, two Purple Rain, one Black Tiger. Now, the way I rank the albums is scientific. So what I will do is I will go into our spreadsheet, rank all the songs amongst the songs, and then take the average of what the rank was and measure it against all the average of the other albums. We used that's to do I that do until we so had that way fucking 50 for me. Well, that's no fun. Yeah. So in that scientific approach, Don't Say No ended up at number 25. So it was below blizzard of oz and above odyssey okay it's pretty good all right so for me number five appetite four pyromania three blizzard of oz two hotel california one automatic for the people all right where am i putting don't say no be honest with you 
Um, I'm going to put it right underneath Detonator at 23. Oh, above okay. Slave to the Grind. Those four tracks really, you yeah. know, push this album. And the other ones aren't bad. You know, uh, right. there's a couple there. Uh, but the other ones on there are pretty good. So, yeah, don't say no 23 for me. Yep. Yeah. So let's move on, guys, to this. All right, so for this month, I'm going to go with a new movie that recently dropped, a Hulu original called The Boston Strangler, uh, inspired, obviously, by a true story right here in our backyard in Boston. Uh, really well-made movie. I, I like this one a lot. Um, it stars Kira Knightley, and it's based on the true story of the reporter Loretta McLaughlin, who kind of breaks the story of The Boston Strangler. Uh, it's actually, I, I enjoyed it. I know it got mixed reviews, but I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the way it's filmed, um, it's kind of like the, t- the, the color palette and the tone of the movie is, is puts you really in that era of the sixties. Uh, I learned a lot about the story of the Boston Strangler that I was not familiar with going into it. I thought I knew everything about this case and I did not. Um, but yeah, very well made, very interesting. Uh, Kira Knightley is great. She carries the, the movie. Uh, she does a great job. Chris Cooper's in it. Carrie Coon's in it. She's awesome, too. She plays the other female reporter um, that worked with Kira Knightley's character uh, at the old Boston Record American newspaper, which no longer exists. Uh, but yeah, check it out. The Boston Strangler, a Hulu original movie. Very good. It's funny, Tom. My dad's old diner. There used to be this old timer walk in. Hey, George, you got the record for me? And I'd be like, yeah. what the fuck is the record? Yep. It was the Boston Herald. It That's became right. the Herald. That's and right. Still call it the record. The record. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Anyway, uh, for me, I had a couple of choices I was going to make. Um, but I'm going to stick to. I taped this thing a while ago. I had free time last night. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start clearing off stuff off my DVR. This is. Reels, America's Deadliest Rock Concert, The Guest List documentary. Mm. So this was all about the station fire in Rhode Island, Warwick, West Warwick, Rhode Island. Uh, it's about two hours. You know, I, I know the story. We, Tom and I and another friend of ours, we always talk about the fact like that could have easily been us. That could have easily been a concert we would have gone to. And um it is beyond sad just to watch it, but it's interesting because I think like what what I found so fascinating is how little like this is beyond a tragedy. A hundred people died in the most gruesome manner because of a fire. Now, I get it. Nobody wanted anybody to die, but there were so many culprits that had a little bit part to this problem. The fact that, you know, what you would expect, the first person that falls, then the domino effect, and they all pile up near the door. And what they were describing as the entrance where nobody could get out because everybody piled up and what the firefighters saw, 
and how that lives with them to this day, about all these dead bodies piled up trying to get out of the door and how I didn't even know this. There were some bouncers that were kicking people back when the fire first started. They were running towards the back and it's like, oh, the back entrance only for the band and not letting people come in. And some people that would have to jump through the windows and how fucking lucky some of these people were to get out. The saddest part about all this stuff is that nobody did any tribute stuff. Nobody raised money. Nobody talks about this that much. And I know he's fucking aggravating and annoying because if there's a fucking microphone and a camera, D Snyder needs to get in front of it. Yeah. But then he eventually he talks about that, you know, is really the, the drummer from Tesla that started a benefit fact yeah. uh, concert for everybody. And that he was like, I called, he, he said it and he's really getting like, wow. He's like, I called. I'm not saying they that the message ever got to them, but all the Boston acts said no. Aerosmith, Jay Giles band. Uh, yep. He goes, and all the other acts that I asked all said no or their people. He goes, I never specifically asked them, but their people all said no. And he made a great point. If this was a fucking U2 concert that this happened at, there would yep. be fucking stuff going on till this day of mm-hmm. tributes for these families and stuff. But because it's called it's a hair metal act mm-hmm. and these people are all blue collar guys and girls from fucking Rhode Island that these people are forgotten just from wh- where they were. Let that have happened at a festival in L.A. You'd never hear the end of it or New York City, but a small thing in Rhode Island. And the fact that the most I think anybody did was less than two years in jail for this, which is ridiculous. And now learning the facts as an attorney and watching this stuff, the fact that the fucking fire department chief passed inspection with those guys having that foam on that wall, knowing it's flammable for three years in a row, that guy should have been responsible. But because of immunity and works for the state and that job protects them. They got the two nightclub owners, the idiots that were fucking one of them was a reporter for Channel 7 News. For Channel right? 7, yep. Yep. He did like one brother did like 12 or 14 months or something. One of them pled and got nothing. And then uh, the tour manager pled. He's like fucking was the first one. It's like he felt guilty and pled. They put a lot of this on Jack Russell. You know, like, oh, how did he get away with it? Some people are like, say that, you know, he's keeping the memory alive. He's obviously had issues because of this drinking and drugs. And then other people blame him. Like, he fuck him, that piece of shit. I don't know how I would live with all this stuff and that happened. But as D. Snyder and actually Don Dawkins in this video say that we all played there. That could have easily been any one of us over a thousand times. It could have been one of us that been part of it. It's the 20th. 20th anniversary is coming up and I'm on the, I'm on the, the website right now. They're doing, there's a bunch of events scheduled for, I think um, it's, it's already past 20 years. There's February, 2003. Well, they're having a memorial service in May for it. Okay. And, then and then they're doing like a ride to remember type thing. Um, also in May, they're doing a couple of events this year. Uh, the memorial is, is gorgeous. The website is really nice. It's got pictures and names of everybody there. 
Um, honestly, I would never watch that documentary. I can't, I avoid anything with that because that is one of my absolute biggest fears is being trapped in a building that's burning and can't get, I have absolutely no interest in ever watch. I can't, the thought of that incident gives me like a panic attack because like you said, we could have been there Mm -hmm. and I, I just, I can't. I just, I, I would never be able to watch that. Yeah. And they, they're like, yeah, it would take you like let about a minute. If you weren't out within yep. a minute, you're dead. You're That's what, yep. Yeah. And you know, Jack Russell's getting a lot of, and has for 20 years, gotten a lot of hate on this. Yeah. What's Jack Russell is the name on the marquee. Jack Russell ain't making any of these decisions. I agree. Jack Russell has a writer of stuff that happens and that he needs, et cetera. And what his musicians need. But he ain't on the hook for the safety of the venue. Now, Jack Russell's had to live with this for the rest of his life, and that yep. can't be easy to, for anybody. But if there's people out there that think that he should be working the rest of his life to provide for the families that went through a huge strategy, I, Jack ain't on the hook for this. It, I, I agree with those you. Those guys I, are right. I, it could have been anybody on the marquee. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Terrible. It's a. Uh, it's fascinating. I. I had it there in my queue and I'm like, ah, let me get some stuff out. And I watched it last yeah. night Yep. and it, it's thought provoking. And, yeah. uh, you know, Hey, anybody that's listening out there, if you ever want to check out the stuff about it, the, uh, station, uh, fire, and maybe there's, uh, there's obviously probably some sort of charity still going on. Go oh, there is. Su- they have, they have, yeah. they have a dedicated website for yeah, it. Go, go support yeah. them and, and, and donate to them because it's, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, a hundred people. And there are others that, you know, survive, but have life altering injuries. And Mm -hmm. there's one brave guy they show through all this stuff. It's just fucking heartbreaking. But anyways, I saw that. I thought we'd discuss it a little bit. And uh, that's what I got. Sonny, what do you got? All right. So you would have thought we did a grunge album because we went from the Boston Strangler to the fucking station fire. Not not good. And now I'm going to 1960s Harlem. Oh, God. (laughs) What do you got? So, Godfather of Harlem. Have you guys seen this? I have not. No, but I think I know of the story. Yeah. So, it's on MGM Plus or Epics, depending on what you have. And basically, it's the true story of infamous prime boss, Bumpy Johnson. Yes, that's why I know it. Okay. He's returning from 10 years of prison. Um, he was in Alcatraz to find the neighborhood uh, uh, in Harlem be a complete mess. He's got to fight, fight off the Italians because the Italians took over after he left. He forms an alliance with Malcolm X. They do a good job of mixing the conversation of Muhammad Ali converting uh, uh, from Cassius Clay to Muhammad. Uh, they they loop in the JFK assassination. Malcolm X, uh, X is about to be shot. So, and they, you know, they over drama it up probably the real a little bit, but it's worth a watch. Forrest Whitaker is Bumpy Johnson. Uh, they actually had two Malcolm X's because it's on his third season now. So, Nigel Thatch was on the first two seasons, Jason Carvel on the second, and they both did a great job with it. Uh, Ilfanesh Hadera is Mamie Johnson, dude. She sexy and powerful, attractive nice. woman. Vincent D'Onorfio is in it as uh, the main rival. And then Paul Servino's Frank Costello. So nice. They've got some uh, star power. It's done well. They're like 55 minute episodes, right? You can binge them pretty quick. It's about to finish off his third season. And uh, 
it's a good story that mixes in well with everything that's going on. And Forrest, I'm not a huge Forrest fan, but he actually does a really good job in this. Good. And cool. uh, I'm always interested in the mob and the drug pin and those type of stories. And this has a little jump bit in. So jump in. He's interested in the mob, but he doesn't want he doesn't like the Godfather because I don't terrible. I can't see the reason I didn't jump in Zeus is because my brain is cramping right now. I can't figure it out. (laughs) Can't do it. (laughs) So I will tell you guys, I saw, um, animal house for the first time. If you you tell me that's terrible yesterday and the first time ever and a thousand percent better than the Godfather. Oh, what's it's a totally fucking different movie. As long as you don't say it sucked. It yeah, was watchable at 53. The okay. Godfather is not watchable at 53. Yeah. All right. That's I insane. can't, I can't, I can't relitigate this. Uh, anymore. But I'm curious to ask you, Sonny, you think the, you think the animal house could get made in these days? Oh, no fucking <laughs> way. Dude, the hazing alone would knock it out. Even the hazing in old school wouldn't put, get through. Put, nowadays. Putting, the, putting the ladder up to the frigging girl's window with Belushi. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, fucking no, classic. No. Or, or banging the Dean's 14 year old daughter and then putting yeah. her shopping cart and sending her home. I don't think that's going to fly either. Yeah. What's crazy is we now know that Belushi was basically playing himself. He yes. only lasted four more years. After oh, totally. Was oh done, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. all right, boys, Sonny, where can we find you? Uh, growinguprock.com is probably the easiest place. And then Podcast Rock City live every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a fucking lot for you on a Sunday, huh? God. God. He he loves it. <laughs> he loves it. <laughs> Tom, what about us? Are we alive somewhere? Yeah, check us out on our website, shoutoutloudcast.com. If this is your first time listening to us and checking us out, uh, we're an all-KISS podcast. We drop KISS-related episodes every Saturday, and then we do these album review crew episodes once a month. So check us out on our website. You'll find all the information about all of our different shows. You can always email us at shoutoutloudcast at gmail.com and check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All right, what we like to do is end on famous last words. You got any? Yeah, I got something. I'll kick it off here. Walking through the streets just the other day, caught up in the traffic. I can never get away. Running here, running there. No satisfaction anywhere. But by the way, public service announcement to men out there in a band. Don't use the word satisfaction in a song. It never sounds good. It never. It's just a bad. It never sounds right. I don't like it. Except unless you're unless you're Mick Jagger from the '60s. Other than that, I don't want to hear it. Go ahead, Sonny. You're never sure if the illusion is real. You pinch yourself, but the memories are all you feel. Can you break away from your alibis? Can you make a play? Will you meet me in the dark <laughs> and stroke me? No, <laughs> Can you please meet me in the dark and stroke me while you're at it? You're my kind of lover. <laughs> Come on, don't it's say no. Easy. Come it's on, don't say too no. Too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> Put your left cock out. Keep it all in place. Work your way right into my face. First, you try to bet me. You make my backbone slide. Ugh. 
when you find you've bled me, slip on by and stroke, stroke me. me, stroke me, stroke me. <laughs> Tom, Sonny, Loudcasters, Kiss Army, Stroke Tards, everybody out there, thank you. Always a great hang. Wait till next month. <laughs> we, we, drunk and stupid is no way to go through life. We might have to implement the first ARC veto power. Uh, guys, always a blast. Sonny, thanks for joining us. Zeus, as always, my friend. Great time, as always. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.